Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. Today, we honor the memory of four people whose lives were ended by COVID-19. These are not conversations about the virus, nor are they conversations about the state of our response. Today, we talk about the people who they were beyond the data, the numbers or projections. It's about the humans who lived and the legacies they've left with their families and communities. We're gonna skip the news rundown today and get right to these conversations. I'm on the line with Maria Elena Lopez. We're here to talk about and honor her mother, Maxine Lopez. So Maria Elena, tell me about Maxine. Oh, Maxine was a spunky, creative individual, very involved in my life, involved in my brother's life and my nieces. She would go to Kit Carson Elementary, where I teach third grade, and she would go and volunteer. And while she was there volunteering, she would make costumes for the kids for all our different performances that we had and for the cheerleaders. So she was very creative and very involved. And that was one of her passions was working with kids and the youth? You know what? It was a passion. I think because she retired, she just really, she ended up really loving it. And she impacted so many of those young kids' lives. You know, a lot of them, they're a different generation of kids. And so to have an older generation there, it really did show the amount of respect that they had for her because she was stern, but yet very loving. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what it was like growing up. My mother was very strict. She was very strict and she had high expectations of me. And she did teach me from an early age on that you need to work hard for anything in this life. Nothing's going to be given to you. So she taught me really good work ethic and had very high expectations of me. It was always go over and beyond. Uh, Never give me minimal work. And that goes for your teachers in school and everything that you do. Was there any piece of advice or wisdom that she offered that helped you a lot, even if it kind of bugged you out at the time and she turned out to be right? You know, she did because my mother would always say, you're not going to give up. And there have been times in life where I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And she said, nope, you're not going to give up. You're going to push through. You don't ever give anyone the satisfaction of knowing that they got over on you. You make sure that you push through everything. You don't give up on anything, Maria, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how you feel like you're not going to be able to do it. You do not give up. You push through and you fight and you get through it because in the end, when it's done with, you're going to say, wow, I I was actually able to overcome that. Mm -hmm. Like a a strength and a wisdom there. Yes. she, She gave to the entire family, huh? Yes, she did. What were like her hobbies and pleasures and pastimes? Oh, my mother's hobbies were my niece. <laughs> my mother's hobbies were definitely making things. She was very creative. She made centerpieces for weddings. She did centerpieces for baby showers. She did costumes for the cheerleaders for Christmas parades. And she really just enjoyed spending time with my niece. Alexa was her pride and joy. So being able to pour into her the way she poured into me and my brother, that is something that she really enjoyed. Spending time with her was like every other weekend we got my niece. So every other weekend was like the highlight of her life. Like, oh, we're going to have Alexa. It was a big deal all the time for Mm -hmm. her. Now, was your mom an avid cook at all? My mother was a very good cook. Although I'm going to have to say now toward her um, older years as time was going on, she preferred takeout more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, she did love to cook. And when she did, she made really great chicken soup. I'm going to have to say when I was sick, my mama's soup always made me feel better. Mm. Now, it sounds like she was just a kind of a bastion for the entire community. She did things for everybody, it sounds like. 
She did. You know, she really did. She gave of herself. My mom always gave 100% of herself to everything that she did. And, you know, she was not a quiet individual. She was very outspoken, but she was very honest. And I think people appreciated her honesty because she never held back what she was thinking or feeling. She let you know exactly what she thought. And that made it actually quite helpful because my mom was so honest in that way that I always knew what my mother was thinking or what she was going to say to me was the truth that was coming out of her. Yeah. How did that feel? And accepting that truth. You know, sometimes it was hard. It's hard to accept truth that you don't want to be the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes you like to lie to yourself and think that your truth is better. But no, I do. I did appreciate it as I got older. You know, I did see a different part of my mother as I got older because I was very close to my mother. She was my best friend. So uh, not having her has uh, been very difficult, but um, I'm so appreciative of it. Mm -hmm. You know, she's your mom. But she's also your friend. Talk to me about that relationship that really has grown stronger throughout the course of your life. Well, you know, having her as my mom and as my friend, I'm going to have to say when I was younger, having her as a friend wasn't so much fun. Yeah. Um, But as I got older, I did respect it and I really appreciated it because she was so good with giving me advice that whenever I was having a hard time with something, she was the first one to be there for me. Always there, always the one to give me that positive words of advice and never looked at a situation with negativity. She always told me, you know, it's okay. You're going to get through it. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. You can do it, Maria. And always lifted me up when I felt like I couldn't do anything. So having her as a best friend and we love to go get our nails done together and go shopping together. Mm-hmm. I miss that. I miss her voice. I miss hearing her. I miss her cheering me on in the background because she was my biggest cheerleader throughout my whole life. Sounds like she was an amazing woman for you, your brother, your niece, and everybody else. She was. She was. And she was so funny and so up to date with her lingo. Oh, my goodness. The things that pop out of her mouth would crack me up. I mean, she was so, she was funny and she was sarcastic at times, but there was no one like her. Yeah. She was hip all throughout life, huh? She was so hip. She was so hip the way she talked to the kids. Sometimes, oh, no, I know you're not playing me for a fool. I would love it. Oh, I would just, the things that would come out of her mouth, I'd be like, that's my mom. She is so cool, the things that come out of her mouth. And it seemed like the younger generation really did embrace her, and they loved talking to her. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the kids at Kit Carson. Even when we'd go to, like, the store, it'd be like the younger kids, like 16, 17-year-old boys, they love my mom. Oh, your mom's so cool. She's the best. I mean, she built relationships with everyone, Walmart, McDonald's, anywhere she went, they knew her. Mm -hmm. Now talk about this fire, this spunk. Tell me about that. She had fire and spunk that no one was going to step on her kids, no matter what age we were. She was going to stand beside you and she would let everybody know. Mm-mm, you're not going to mess with them. And she's like that with my niece and anything that she did. If my mom truly believed in it, my mom would would fight for it. She'd make sure that things were done. If she didn't like something that was done in the school, she'd be the first one to be very honest and say, you know, these are changes that need to be done. From the time that I was in elementary school, she was very involved, a part of the PTA. Uh, when I was a cheerleader for Albuquerque High, she was also extremely involved and was the one to help get a lot of the fundraisers together to fund us to go to Japan. My mom had that spunk in her and no one was going to tell her we couldn't do it because there was no such thing as I can't in her vocabulary. Uh-huh. And she, I'm sure she taught that to her kids, huh? Yes, she did. 
did it feel like that to you and your brother to like, no matter what goes on, my mother has my back no matter what happens? You know, it did. It felt good to have her always there for you. Whether she agreed with us or not, a lot of times she still was always there. And just to have that support, it really did. It helped me get through a lot of situations. I mean, that you go through your young adult years. She really did help me get through it. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about how she grew up. She grew up in Barelas. She was born and raised down here, and she had a very strict upbringing with my grandfather. My grandfather was a famous santero here in New Mexico, Max Royball. He definitely pushed education with all of my siblings and stuff. My mom, on the other hand, was not a fan of school, but I mean, she did get through it and all. Yeah, she was raised all the time, very strict. I mean, that obviously came on to me. She had very high expectations of what was expected of me, so I knew at growing up, there's no such thing as just getting by in school. It's, I want over and beyond from you. I expect A's and B's and there should be no reason for C's. Mm-hmm. Sounds like my parents. Yeah. Did it give you this sense of not only are you representing yourself, but you're representing your entire family when you were at school and you were out at things? Yes, it did. And, and I think because of that, even now, um, even when I made decisions now as an adult, I always thought about, I don't want to let down my family. I don't want to let down my mother because my mother's expectations of me have always been so high. And so, yes, I did carry that while I was in school. And I think that's what pushed me to excel in school and to continue on with going further, going into college. I knew that was an expectation. It wasn't something like, I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't want to try it. No, you're going to do it. And you're going to do something with your life. Mm -hmm. Tell me about a memory that you had that just absolutely cracks you up about your mom. A memory that I have that cracks me up is actually something we would do every April and May. Every year at Kit Carson Elementary has something called International Day, where you're able to pick a country and you basically either get to perform it or you get to transform your classroom into that country. Well, my mother and I have gone over and beyond and have put so much time and money into the classroom that we literally move all the furniture and hide it and we put up these tablecloths and you cannot tell it's a classroom. I mean, we're hanging lights, you name it, we're doing it. The funniest memory with her is when we have to make things because I love to make everything out of paper. Okay. And so I had her one time coloring coffee filters for me. We colored over 10,000 of them. Wow. How long did that take? It took a month and a half, and it was the students as well helping out. But the kids would go home with green fingers and green hands, and parents were not happy with the green fingers and green hands and blue hands. But it was to create a tropical setting in the classroom because we were going to be doing the rainforest. And so my mother and I would sit there, and we would crack up laughing. Like, can you believe it? We're sitting here dyeing coffee filters, and then we're not only dyeing them, but we're blow-drying them with the blow dryer. And as we're blow-drying them, the coffee filters are flying everywhere and she's getting upset with me at the same time she's like you're not taking this serious Maria and so every year during international day it's always been something where some crazy thing is happening while we're trying to put something together we tried to make a giant alligator at one time I picked him up half of his body fell out and I'm like oh my gosh this has to be put up by tomorrow so all those crazy things that we did I enjoyed 
crafting with my mother, making things for the classroom and transforming it. And I think my biggest enjoyment was to see how proud my mother was because that's how she was able to excel and show what she did and what she was good at. She loved when the kids would come in because the entire school comes into your classroom and parents and everybody comes in to see it. And Mm -hmm. I would tell you when they'd come in, it would be like, whoa, just to hear their expressions and wow, this is crazy. How did you do this? This is amazing. My mom would stand there so proudly and be like, yep, I'm the one who did it. She wouldn't give me any credit, mm-hmm. even though I'm the one who helped. And I'm the one who did a lot of it. She's like, yep, I'm the one who, I made that. And, and Maria, well, she told me to do this, but I'm the one who made that. And I would just sit there laughing. And you're like, are you kidding me, mom? You're taking all the credit. And I'd say, well, we did it together. And she would say, well, yeah, but I'm the one who came up with the idea. And so we'd argue back and forth. No, I'm the one. No, I'm the one. So hmm. I miss that. Yeah. It sounds like you two were incredibly close. We, we were. We, we, we did everything together. Um, these last, I'd have to say, these last 10 years, I became extremely close to my mother. My mother was with me when we go hang out with my friends. She'd come along, and they loved her and thought she was funny. They thought she was the highlight of the evening. Did it get to ever get to the situation where you would see people you knew? They would be like, hey, how's your mom? And forget to ask about you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or they would always say, if she wasn't with me, where's your mom? Yeah. Is she okay? Like, well, she's coming. She's just a little late or she's doing something for my brother. So, yeah, they did tend to ask for her instead of me, which I didn't mind at all. Yeah. Like the party didn't start till your mom showed up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't the party. She was. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you again for coming on and sharing all of these wonderful stories with us. Really do appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Anything that has to do with my mother and being able to let people see what kind of an individual she was, because she was more than this COVID virus taking her. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I'm able to share what my mother was like Mm -hmm. and a memory for her because she deserved that. Yeah, you talk about that fire she has. I could hear it in your voice. The apple does not fall far from the tree at all. (laughs) No, it does not. Maria Elena Lopez sharing us stories with she sharing with us stories about her wonderful mother Maxine Lopez again thank you so much and we're thinking about you we appreciate you coming on thank you so much I appreciate you Our next guest hesitates to use her name because she was insulted and trolled online after talking about her mother's passing due to COVID but here she is with us now to talk about and honor her mom Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. So tell me about your mom. (laughs) Mom was very inquisitive and always trying to learn a new task or improve a design. Uh, My grandfather was an electrical and mechanical engineer. He owned his own factory adjacent to their home. So as a child, she watched as her father designed and built machinery, wired the house or factory and built wooden cabinets, bookcases with glass fronts, just about anything. Okay. She used to joke that she could do anything with her hands except pick pockets. (laughs) She couldn't read crochet instructions, but she could look at a photo or sample and replicate it perfectly. Wow. Uh, She would knit complex patterns into her sweaters. She won many national art competitions while she was in school. And I remember she took up oil painting when we lived in Germany for four and a half years and painted many of my favorite scenes that I enjoyed. And she was, first and foremost, a very talented seamstress. Hmm. It sounds like your mom could see anything being done or see something that's finished product and she can then create it and make it happen herself. Exactly. She had an ability to look at something, but then try to decide how to replicate it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And once she had a proof model, she would then set about trying to improve it. Okay. It was just amazing. Um, She had always sewed our clothes, but when we went to, uh, but she went to work for the most exclusive women and men's clothing store in the Twin Cities, she learned a lot of tailoring skills. Mm-hmm. So she sewed my wedding dress, adding lace, pearls, and sequins by hand. Wow. And when she was 89 years old, she sewed our daughter's wedding dress. Wow. That is beautiful. Now, s- she, she just had a lot of talents. Um, she loved to sing. On recommendations of her teacher, she took voice lessons, and she even made several albums. And she was vibrant and would sing around the house, and our daughter remembers the funny sounds she would make to add dramatic flair to her story, or motion like saying, oh, when she went to lift something. Okay. Um, <laughs> or just entering a room, you know? It was, it was not a ta-da, but it was a, 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 the way she entered a room just lit it up. Mm-hmm. Because she was so full of life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as I said, you know, she was curious about things and how they worked and determined, you know, how they were sewn or put together. And she was always looking to find shortcuts or developing a technique to make it stronger, more flexible, more useful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, give me a story. It sounds like your mother was not just this this force of nature for the family, but it seems like she was like this for the community as well. She really tried to build a community. Um, she knew what it meant to be lonely. Mm-hmm. In her adoptive land, she was not, um, she became a citizen, but she was an immigrant. She worked at making others comfortable. Mm-hmm. And she would do things to try to ease or improve their lives. And she was very thoughtful, trying to anticipate what others needed. Um, She was more mobile than a lot of the folks where she lived. She was an independent living. Uh, And she would just pop up and go, you know, get the takeout container for them to take part of their meal back to their room or, you know, to go grab another napkin. Or um, she would see that someone was having difficulty uh, with something at the table. She would make sure... You know, she would stand up and reach over the table so the salt shaker was closer to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and she would remember what people around her needed, Mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. Mm. What do you think you learned from her? Oh, (laughs) I think um, our our daughter wasn't able to be on the call, but I think I'm going to share what she said. My parents provided aftercare, um, after-school care for our daughter, And she was especially close to mom. She said, I remember that she always had a cold drink for me after dad's class. Mm -hmm. I think about how clever she was, how inventive, how she taught me to be as well. Mm -hmm. She instilled in me the belief I can figure anything out. She would take bag designs and improve them and customize them and give them to people who needed them which I think is a wonderful memory. She was teaching my daughter to sew. I never learned to sew because I couldn't do it well enough for her standards, but she had great patience for her granddaughter. And in, oh, it was July, August, my mother, my daughter took apart a uh, Japanese kimono, one that the older women would wear, you know, it's black and 
works really well for formal wear. Mm-hmm. And then my mother, she helped my mother recut it, and my mother sewed a vest for our high school reunion that we went back for. Uh-huh. And then in um, November, they took apart, it was, a, I think, a Japanese wedding gown. It was very colorful. Mm. And they took that apart and recut it. And silk is very difficult to sew on. Um, but she taught my daughter how to repurpose it into a dinner jacket mm. or any formal occasion, and it's just beautiful. So they worked closely together, um, sewing, oh, for several years now. And it, it's a precious memory that I have of seen them together and that my daughter will take forward. Mm-hmm. You know, with mom, she always had a goal of making people around her smile or laugh each day. I mean, she would go to dinner with the idea of what can I say that's going to be funny. If she noticed that someone was cranky, she would try to cheer them up. Um, She would do things like fold an origami crane out of a napkin. Uh, And she sewed these little tissue cases that had a zippered um, pouch. Was there any piece of advice or wisdom that your mom offered you that helped you a lot in life? My mother was a fighter and she would always tell me, don't let yourself be bullied. To stand up and um, don't be cowed Mm -hmm. by someone's prejudice, uh, their unfairness or their meanness. And then to always remember to thank people that have been good to you mm-hmm. and to help anyone who needs the help, even if they don't at the time think they do. <laughs> Just be present and be there for them. Mm-hmm. Those are lessons for us all right now. Isn't that true? Yeah. We forget to look at another person's perspective and it's become too much of a me society. It's what I want, not what is good for everyone. Mm-hmm. My mother was very good at almost to a fault. It, it hurt me when I entered the business world. Um, people mistook the niceness, I think, for weakness. Mm. And because she had always taught me to be respectful, a lot of times I wouldn't push back because it, it was not the polite thing to do. But in business, you learn, yes, sometimes you need to do that. So that took a while to overcome. Mm-hmm. But she was generous of spirit. And I think that's probably the, the best lesson I took away from her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, did she, it sounds, she was a, an amazing craftsperson. She, she could look at anything and make anything. Did she, did she have exceptional skills cooking as well? Oh, my gosh, she was a wonderful cook. Um, Just fabulous. She liked to cook. That was almost one of the problems where she was living. uh, Three meals a day are included, and she didn't particularly like the food. (laughs) (laughs) But we we finally got to convince she needed to eat at least one meal so that people would see her and know she was okay. Okay. But I was always having to run her to specialty shops to get what she wanted. Everything she made was was delicious. She used to host um, a lot of 
dinner parties and she had wonderful serving plates and very unique things, uh, partly because we had we'd lived dad was military so we had lived around the world in okay. several locations and she always she had an eye for style she would always pick out something that was very unique and people would come for her food because it, she set such a nice table mm-hmm. now you mentioned that she cut a couple albums um finding her singing voice what was that like what kind of music did she listen to um well mostly um, I guess I have to identify it, don't I? Um, she was Japanese, and so she had a lot of Blu-rays and DVDs, CDs, cassettes from Japan. Hmm. And so those were the songs that she sang. Okay. Okay. Wow. She liked big band, too. I should say that. Nella Fitzgerald was probably her favorite. Ah. Ah. <laughs> When when would she when would she play those? Would would that be like a Sunday morning thing or just whenever? Uh, no, she had. She's always had a separate sewing room, hmm. and so she would play her music while she sewed, and she would sing along sometimes, and sometimes she would just have it for background music as she worked. Hmm. Do you have any memories about that time? like knowing that mom is in her sewing room, getting to it and you hear her singing? How'd you feel? Oh, yes. Well, it, it made you feel really, really good because she was happy when mm-hmm. she sang. And she lost her voice, um, you know, as she got older. She was frustrated because she couldn't, she was a soprano. She couldn't hit some of the notes. Mm-hmm. But every so and now and then it would clear. And I always knew it was a good signal um, when I'd go over to visit with her and I had my own key so I could go in and she'd be singing in a way and I'm thinking oh today's a good day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to share with us about your mom I guess just that for people who've lost a loved one through COVID-19 it is a real disease um It's a painful disease because you can't be with them that we need to remember to keep others safe. It's not just about our own well-being. And it's a horrible, horrible disease. Um, The patient suffers a lot at the end. We were able, we had some wonderful nurses and a doctor where we could call her and it was, towards the end, it was difficult for her to, uh, to hold the phone or to hear. She didn't have her hearing aids in. So they would use the little speaker device that they have where they can page people. Mm. And they would turn that on and lean down so that we could talk to her. And it, it's it's a lonely, lonely death. We had to do a funeral service by uh, Zoom. And her cremains were sent back to Minnesota to be buried with my dad. He's a vet. So... Um, that's where she wanted to be and that's great but it hurt yeah not being able to do the last goodbye yeah so i guess my last point is for everyone to think deeply about their families to remind them that they love one another this is a tough time for everyone 
but to take care of your loved ones and just make sure they know you love them because you never know when tragedy is going to hit. And you want to have that peace. Thank you very much for sharing this with us. Oh, we'll be thinking about you and, and we appreciate you coming in and telling the stories about the magnificent human that your mother was. Really appreciate it. Thank you. She's very greatly missed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have everything that you need? Do you, are you all in the need of any resources at all? Uh, no, um, we're doing quite well. We have, we're officially the old people in the neighborhood. Mm. Um, we retired to New Mexico. Okay. And our neighbors have been very good. They were, uh, both my husband and I were COVID positive, of course, okay. afterwards. And he had a very, very, very bad bout. Uh, mine was milder. But they were checking in every day by um, message to see if we needed anything. A neighbor called me yesterday to make sure I'm doing well. I'm over trying to pack her things up. So it's been pretty emotional. Um, people have been great. And um, I just hope everyone else has resources. We've been fortunate. Mm-hmm. We have people, I have an old crafting friend who said, you know, if there's anything you need, we can drop it off. And uh, they're, they're thinking about others. Yeah. And I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, it's time that we all do that. Yes. And I appreciate you celebrating the lives of those that have been lost so that people know they were real people. And they had real lives. Yes. We'll continue to do that. Have, have the most beautiful day possible, Carolyn. Yes. Finally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's coming. It just, it takes time. Yeah. And it's hard when you weren't able to mourn properly. And, uh, you know, I need to vacate her apartment as soon as possible. And it's just hard to go through, uh, so many years my mother didn't keep junk Mm. they're all treasures everything has been you know neatly put together and it's wrapped in plastic to keep the new mexico sand out (laughs) (laughs) god that stuff is horrible and she had leaky windows um but everything is you know she cleaned her house two days before she got really sick um it's just it's the memories it's hard yeah but we're finding good things. Um, there, there's a Japanese community here in town, and one of the ladies is 90. She never got to meet my mom. But she inherited all the DVDs and CDs, and I told them, you share them as you wish. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, she had hundreds of books. She probably had 500 books. Wow. So um, they will have a life after this. Yeah. And my mother continues to give yeah. after she's gone. You give my respect and my love to your entire family. Thank you. This is Your NM Government. I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. This might be a hard episode for some people to listen to, or maybe it's bringing up some memories for you. If you'd like to talk to someone tonight or tomorrow, check out New Mexico's Warm Line. It's a non-crisis phone line just for people to check in if they're feeling low. Call 1-855-4NM-7100. That's 1-855-4NM-7100. 
They're ready to hear you from between 3.30 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. every day. They can also do text conversations with you between 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. Every weekday, we're covering the way the virus and health measures are impacting people differently around the state. Stay tuned in weeknights at 7.30 p.m. I'm here with Allison Keyswood. We're here to honor and talk about her husband, Vladimir Keyswood. Allison, tell me about yes. your husband. Um, he was the most generous, heart, lighthearted person you could meet. He really liked to help people out. And he was just, he was the funniest person I ever met. I mean, we mm. seriously laughed every day. And that was... One of the big things I, one of the main reasons I loved him so much, um, he was just so funny. He would just break out in dances every now and then just to make me laugh. And I, I'm certainly going to miss that about him. Mm-hmm. What, what type of things did he find funny? Everything. I mean, we could turn a joke at, into anything out of anything um we just it we would we would drive to like the store and just seeing somebody in the car and we would we would often talk about like how like what other people would talk about other couples in their vehicles would talk about and because we're like i don't think they're as weird as we are (laughs) yeah yeah so it but he he really could turn anything into a joke um i mean all kinds of all kinds of things even like the most darkest thing and he would say something hilarious about it and for a second we would be like oh my god we're terrible people (laughs) because we're we're laughing about it but i think that's how he dealt with a lot of things Mm -hmm. a lot of very serious things Tell me, what were, what were his passions or interests? Oh, he absolutely loved video games. I, that is, for video games and sports, those okay. are pretty much the only things he really did. <laughs> um, I'd come home every night and find him playing his video game. He'd actually wake up early before work to play. Wow. Um, he played Dead by Daylight and Apex, and those were kind of his main things recently. Um, but before it kind of started out with like Madden and um, the NBA games and stuff like that. So, but he was really into online, um, like Apex, definitely. Okay. And and he was he was the biggest um, Dallas Cowboy fan you could find. Um, he was always debating with people about the games and he'd just be like, okay, maybe next year, maybe next year. (laughs) But he understood that we, he actually told me that, um, when we, when we first got engaged, he goes, we'll get married when they when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl." I said, I don't think I can wait that long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You may be waiting a long time for that. Yeah. So I'm glad he, he didn't hold to hold me to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, tell me how did, how did you both meet? We actually met in high school in band. Um, he was actually two years younger than me. Um, he was a, he was 15 and I was 17. He was a sophomore. I was a senior. And we officially met on a band trip um, in um, 
in Flagstaff, they did a, we did a marching band competition. And after the competition, I went back to the bus with my friend and she went to go grab some stuff. And he just walked up, threw his arm around my shoulder and said, hey, how you doing? Mm. <laughs> and from there, I mean, he, we were, we've been inseparable. Yeah. Um, he, he was so confident even back then. He's always had this amazing confidence about him that I've, I always admired and hopefully can try to strive, strive to once I, um, like just to be like him mm. is just something amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any favorite stories or memories about him? Um, there was, <laughs> I do have a picture on my phone that I've been looking at a lot recently and, um, we were in bed and I was just kind of playing around with this virtual try on makeup thing through and I tried it on him. <laughs> so his face in that is hilarious because I told him to open his eyes because every time he would smile, um, his eyes get really squinty. Okay. I told him to open his eyes so I could see them and to the face on that picture, he looks so scared <laughs> and he has like the, the ugliest makeup on. <laughs> I chose like the, the, like the, te- like the most terrible colors. Um, but it's one of my favorite pictures cause it really just like reminds me of how he was. He was willing to do anything that I asked and even if even at his own like expense and he was just the most wonderful person anyone could ever know you spoke earlier about you know wanting to arise to his level of confidence that he had in himself yeah and was that was that the nature of your relationship did you both inspire each other just to become better versions of yourselves I believe so. Um, and actually, it was a little bit deeper than that. We literally thought that we were not so much soulmates, but we we were polar opposites. The, from the music to the um, to movies that we liked, um, we really liked totally separate things. But and even just like certain things, like. Being, if I was cold, he was he was hot, yeah. and if I was hot, he was cold, and it, we just always kind of laughed about it. But really, I believe that, like spiritually, we were we were connected in that way. We were like a, we were like the missing piece to each other, mm. and it and that's kind of what I'm dealing with right now. That is so devastating. Is that I'm literally missing the other half of my heart. Mm. And because he really did, I know it sounds so cheesy, but he really did complete me. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound cheesy to me at all. What are you, yeah. do, what are you doing now to take care of yourself? Um, I have my sister here and my niece, she's 14. And um, they they make me walk every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's not my favorite thing. It, well, I mean, it's my favorite thing to do during the day now because we do it together. But I mean, before I was never much of a, a walker or anything like that in the parks. But it definitely helps to get out and realize that there's still people out. They're still take, trying to take care of themselves. And me and Vlad used to go to... Um, 
the gym together a lot. That's one thing we did together. And I thought at the beginning that it would be a little hard because he's not there um, to do that with me. But I do have my sister and my niece because I honestly would not know what I would would have done or would have happened if they hadn't been here for me. They're, They're truly a blessing in my life. And I, I can't thank them enough. You talked about you all being polar opposites and like what type of music, you like different types of music and things. What did he get into? What was his music? Oh, he loved rock music and like heavy metal. He, his favorite band was um, Slipknot and Stone Sour and Metallica. And, and he actually saw all of them in concert okay. several times. He loved going to concerts. I like staying home (laughs) and I listen to like pop music. And (laughs) so, yeah, so it was kind of a struggle in the, in the car trying to listen to music. So the rule was whoever drove got to pick the music. (laughs) Okay. That sounds like a fair rule. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like something. Did you all like do, did you, aside from going to the gym, did you like cook together and things like that? Um, Sometimes we did cook together, but really what we did was watch like movies together. And he was so very, so very generous to let me always pick the movie. And to be fair, I'm pretty sure he liked the movies I picked. Um, As hard as he thought he was, um, he, one of his favorite movies was actually The Wedding Date. And he liked Still Magnolias. Uh Um, Yeah, he really liked kind of like sappy romantic comedies. And that's one uh, one of the few things that we actually had in common. But he he really did enjoy watching things like that. We it it was just I don't know. It was it was a surprise when when he um, when he mentioned that to me and then recently um crazy rich asians was was his his favorite and he, i would come in i would come home from work and he'd be watching it ah. so yeah he really liked that movie <laughs> almost to the point where he knew all the lines oh definitely yeah but he's not as annoying as i am about it <laughs> i'm like repeating everything when they say it <laughs> he's like oh my god just let me watch the movie hmm <laughs> <sighs> You all just really enjoy just being in each, in each other's presence, huh? Oh, we did. We we did everything together. Um, I mean, aside from his video gaming, but as long as we were in the house together, we felt comfortable. And if you ask his mother, um, she said you guys were always together. Every picture she had, because she tried to find some pictures that um, were just him. She goes, all the pictures I have, they're of you two together. And that pretty much summed up our life. I mean, we were together all the time. We preferred to be together um, over friends and family sometimes Mm -hmm. just because we were like, and I believe it's because we were, we were, we complimented each other so well. And I was, it, it's just kind of hard right now to, to like, imagine him not here and when I visited my sister um because I that's when he got sick was when I was in Tucson um visiting my sister because she was sick um after surgery she didn't have COVID but um we talked every day on the phone but that was probably the longest we'd ever been apart from each other was about a week 
um, out of almost 20 years. Yeah. Was that a hard week for you? It was. Um, it was It was very eventful, though. I mean, I was helping take care of my nieces. There's two of them. And um, my sister, she had MRSA from a surgery. So I was trying to get keep her occupied and make sure she wasn't doing things she shouldn't be doing. And cause my sister's kind of a strong head like the rest of us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was hard, especially when he started saying that he was sick and that he was starting to get like kind of yucky. And so it, it, it got a little bit more difficult to want to stay with my sister when my husband was sick um, because I wanted to be there because he was the only one in the house. Yeah. Tell me about one of the more special moments you two had. It's kind of hard to pick. I mean, I think the more special moments were the times that we were actually just traveling in the car um, because we connected really, really well when there was no distractions and just driving and talking about things. We talked about everything. We talked about politics. We talked about our relationship. We talked about family and just every, it's, it's kind of hard to choose one special moment because they were all special to me. Every time that we got to get really in depth in each other's lives and, and just, I learned, I still, I think up to about a month ago, month before he passed, I was still learning new things about him. And every moment for me was special when I could spend time with my husband. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you guys were perfectly in balance. We were, especially the last, like maybe three, four years. Of course, like every other, like every relationship, we we had our issues and we argue and, but it was, I think we went like a whole, maybe six or seven months without arguing this last time. And, but it, of course the arguments are always about really stupid things and things you like don't even remember. And I remember our last big argument was actually during the NFL um, draft. So I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been a whole year because <laughs> they just did the draft. Yeah. Yeah, so I, but it wasn't enough time. It didn't even seem like 20 years. Every time we go back, back and think about it, it just seemed like it was just a blink of an eye. There really was not enough time for us to be together when he was here. And certainly for me, thinking about it now, it just wasn't enough time altogether. He sounds like an amazing man. He really was. He he was everybody that's been in contact. They I'm actually not on Facebook or social media. I haven't been for years and he actually kind of managed all that. But my sister, who he actually graduated with, so they were kind of they ran in the same circles when in high school. So that's so she knew a lot of his friends, too. Um, They've been contacting her and uh, she actually got a little overwhelmed by it. But just some of the things people are stopping my mother-in-law and telling her that like just random people in the store because he worked at Home Depot and they're telling her that he was so nice and so helpful and just amazing to be there. And just the outpouring of 
condolences and prayers. It, it really, I really had no idea how many people he touched, mm. how many people he helped out. And he just did things like that. And he didn't tell me about everything, about everyone, but every time we'd go to the store together, he'd, somebody'd stop him and say, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, we'd be there for like an extra 30 minutes just because of that. And yeah. I would tell him, I'm like, geez, I can't take you anywhere. Can I? <laughs> Cause everywhere we went, somebody would stop him and say hi to him. Mm-hmm. He had so many acquaintances, friends, just because he was such a wonderful person because he was just so funny and just so light. And he was a big guy, like physically he, and he looked mean. (laughs) He had this, he had this scowl all the time, but once you get him to smile, it was, it was amazing. He was just never held grudges, never. Yeah. I want to thank you again for sharing this with us sharing the stories as we honor your husband really want to thank you for this we're thinking about you and we appreciate you deeply for coming to do this thank you so much i really appreciate just letting people know what kind of person he was that especially with all the victims there they're people that got got sick and it's nice to know that there's faces and names and stories to go along with all of them. Yeah. And a lot of people who will miss them and love them deeply. Yeah. Especially when they can't go see them and can't have funerals. That is by far the hardest thing, mm-hmm. but I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Allison Keeswood. We were talking in honor of her husband, Vladimir Keeswood. I'm on the line now with Glenn Ford, and we're here to talk about his mom, Ruth McKinney Ford. Glenn, tell me about your mother. My mother was born, Ruth M. Ford, as a twin to Clark and Ruth Meesday McKinney in uh, Tucson, Arizona. At the time, the McKinneys were living in Silver City, just prior to the Great Depression. They had to go to Tucson for better medical care because it was a complicated birth with twins. And uh, mom grew up in her entire formative life in uh, Silver City up through high school with her sister, who she remained close until her sister passed in 2010, Frances McKinney Brown. And mom attended the, it was then known as the Grant County High School Normal part of what is now Western New Mexico. Changed names a few times. Okay. The high school is part of the university, so to speak. It was a teaching school. Her mother, my grandmother, worked in that school, taught in both the high school and at the college then and later university. So that was their foundation, was in Silver City. My grandfather, who was born in Hillsborough, New Mexico, and grandmother met, um, I'm not sure exactly where, but somewhere between Silver City, Deming, and the Mimaris uh, area of New Mexico, southwestern New Mexico. So they lived in Silver City, and mom eventually went to New Mexico A&M, now known as New Mexico State University. Okay. And she was in the Department of home economics and received her bachelor's degree there. She was very active in the Chi Omega. 
chapter okay. of sorority. We have to remember sororities back in the 30s, 40s were instrumental in supporting women in education. They were, yes, social, but the women going to school in those days were ultra minorities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they came from all over New Mexico, West Texas, and so they connected and were supportive of each other through school. They're a lot different than sororities are these days. Yeah. And so she became very attached to the Chi Omega chapter and continued throughout her life as participant, promoting education for women throughout the 40s, 50s, 60s, and to this day. It has changed, of course. And so mom met, in the meantime, my father, C. Quentin Ford, who was going to New Mexico State University, finishing up a an engineering degree. He had come back from World War II already with an engineering degree with the Merchant Marine Navy, U.S. Navy, as a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And they met and became life partners and were married in 1950 in Silver City at my grandparents or her mother and father's home and the Methodist church there. Mm. A brand new one. And many of their friends, it was quite a social event, and Silver City was a thriving mining town, which it had been from the 1800s onward. And so they were married there and moved to Missouri, where my dad taught, was working on his master's in mechanical engineering. And my mother was extremely supportive. Uh, They went on up to Pullman, Washington, where she started to raise uh, children, manage the home, and my dad was working, teaching. He received an opportunity to obtain his PhD at Michigan State University in Lansing, East Lansing, Mm -hmm. Michigan. So they moved from there, and two years later, she supported much of the family by taking in ironing, washing, doing odd jobs and chores for people, babysitting, to help support, because in those days, scholarships were non-existent, and they were living on a dime. (laughs) I remember very well, and I was in my kindergarten and first grade there. In 1959, he was offered a job at New Mexico State University, which was perfect. Mm-hmm. They could return near home in New Mexico, and they settled in very quickly. Because of his extensive experience, a double degree, PhD, uh, he was offered the uh, position of department head, which was relatively new, and he was the first PhD to lead the mechanical engineering department. Mom took over all of the social activities for the department and entertained master's level students, professors coming to interview, social events, and she became very active in the community. Joined the Presbyterian Church down there, all types of social events, which in those days was very much required for a professor's wife. And so she served and they were just a team. Yeah, And we can remember many a party, picnics and whatnot, entertaining. Along the way, we did a lot of, we made a lot of trips. Mom and Dad loved to go out, in, out on the desert, a picnic or up in the mountains. They were very outdoors. They always had been. Both their parents had ingrained that into them. So they continued on. We always cut our Christmas trees. We would cut firewood. In the early 60s, Paul had cleared two lost curses out of the Gila National Forest, and we would go on camping trips up into the Gila National Forest, and we would be up there a week 
we can have. We would not see a soul and dad could go fishing and mom could just enjoy the beauty. And we were very isolated in those days. Yeah up there. So we grew up with that experience from both of them. Mom eventually joined a, uh, a PEO chapter, which is very involved in education for women. And uh, their goal is to promote a women's opportunity scholarship for education early on. I don't know the whole history, but they provide scholarship and support for students, mm-hmm. women students. So they were somewhat cutting edge back in those days. And they still do to this day. So she eventually became the president of the chapter, state president, we go through the steps, and then representing New Mexico. And this was in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, she uh, took care of us as uh, a mother would throughout our grade school, junior high, and somewhat into high school. She was also able to get a job at a little Indian jewelry and art gallery there in Mesilla, New Mexico. Okay. Very similar to uh, Old Town in Albuquerque. And some of the buildings date back before Old Town in Albuquerque Hmm. as part of the stage stop, Intercontinental Stage Stop, Southern. And so she got to know a lot of the shop owners and people in that little community, which is just part of Las Cruces, more or less. She was involved in social and community activities. She helped to plan for the new Presbyterian Church there in Las Cruces. She was extremely active in choir. She had perfect pitch, Hmm. and this always frustrated her to hear (laughs) music that wasn't. Okay. (laughs) Growing up, we learned that quickly throughout her life. Yeah. And then uh, she had a nice voice, and she sang in the church choir. She could play piano around home. She had a piano, and she, through high school and college, she had played the clarinet. Okay. So she was musical. What was her favorite kind of music to listen to? Mostly classic. Okay. It, was, it was classic music, classical or church, church-related music. Her activities with both Carmega and PEO took her all over the state to every chapter, every town that had a chapter or chapters. And so she traveled a lot. Dad would travel with her. In later years, adult dad had to do a lot of work uh, in Santa Fe or Albuquerque as my dad eventually became the associate slash dean of engineering at New Mexico State. And so they traveled both in-state and out-of-state to conventions and other meetings. So she would travel quite a bit with him, not always. And as he retired, he was asked to serve on the highway commission. So they would attend all these meetings together and travel. They traveled every state road in New Mexico and uh, she got to know uh, a lot of the engineers, engineers' wives from the State Highway Department and others, since so she was very involved. They loved the outdoors so much that the family, my grandparents on my father's side and my parents, went together and purchased some land in Alpine, Arizona, right along the Arizona and New Mexico state line. Mm-hmm. And it's a gorgeous place. And they built a cabin on the property, and they, grandparents, and even I, helped to build the cabin. My sister and other friends would work on it, and it grew and grew, the cabin. And that became their retirement and summer seasonal 
uh, place to go, and they just loved to be up there as much as possible yeah. for many years. Mom continued her uh, activities well into her retirement years. She would always say, homemakers never retire. Hmm. And I kept, we, we kept telling her, but Mom, <laughs> it's time. Yeah. But she managed the home many years afterwards, after even after my dad officially retired. It was, she, was very, she was very proud of it. She could take care of the house. Hmm. One of her great gifts, and she started this in the 60s, she became a caregiver, both for my grandparents who lived, my father's parents lived in Glenwood, New Mexico. Her parents lived in Silver City, New Mexico. And at times they either needed to be taking care of up there or they needed to see specialists. So either my mom or my mom and dad would bring them to Las Cruces and even take them to El Paso. Mom managed most of that. My dad was working still in the 60s and 70s. And she would go to the doctor's appointment for the grandparents. She had many friends there in Las Cruces. And she would also be a, a caregiver and a person to listen, to bring food, to take that person to the doctor's appointment, uh, hold their hand when necessary. Several died of cancer, of, of other illnesses, but she was a caregiver for those friends. We had aunts and uncles that were in need of care and there in Las Cruces, so she helped feed them, helped uh, obtain uh, house care, but she would be with them throughout. Mm -hmm. And then eventually my grandparents, both sets, would move to Las Cruces, and I and my dad moved them, and my mom took care of them and oversaw their health care and needs there in Las Cruces, at first in apartments and then into assisted living mm -hmm. and or death. I had one grandfather who lived to uh, 96. When his wife passed, he moved back in with my parents. So she and he became just the best of friends. They always had been. Yeah. And she got along very well with her in-laws and she and he would do lots of household errands chores and he was very aware and, and very up until his latter years and very close so she took care of him there at the house until he had to go to a nursing home yeah he was a world war one veteran but he had no benefit and so she and my dad had to really support him hmm. and so th she did a lot of work with him and onward it sounds like she took care of everybody she met she did she did, mm. and she was just uh, had a lot of love and food. She loved to cook. Some of her foods were just to die for. Her pastries, her pies, her uh, cinnamon rolls were extremely tasty, and I still remember them to this day. Quite often, she would stow away some in a freezer for uh, parties, get-togethers, or to take them to families in need. However, my sister and I, especially myself, found them in the freezer and they would kind of disappear. So good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we had a very small family. They only had two children, myself, Glenn Ford, and my sister, Dabney Ford. And we both attended New Mexico State University. We were graduates of Las Cruces High School about the time that it was split into Mayfield High School. Mm -hmm. and Las Cruces High, and then we went on to New Mexico State. I attained a degree in civil engineering. My sister, a degree in anthropology with a specialty with archaeology. Mm -hmm. My sister eventually became the archaeologist at 
Chaco Canyon and did a lot of work throughout the Southwest for the Park Service and served as a resource for many other uh, parks and monuments with a specialty, I believe, in the uh, the various, I'll probably use the wrong word here, but <laughs> pottery and uh, shards yeah. as to their time and date and who might have made them. Mm-hmm. But she also did a lot of restoration there at Chaco Canyon. I worked, eventually, it took a while, but I had a career with the U.S. Forest Service. Started out on the Gila National Forest. I was stationed right there in Silver City, part of my family's hometown. Mm-hmm. And I covered the entire Gila, Nas- Gila National Forest and the Apache National Forest in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So their influence influenced our careers because we would always, as kids, when we traveled, we would go to national forests, we would go to national parks, yeah. we would go to museums, and especially Indian, either antiquity or just the various science museums also. We were a science family. Mm-hmm. My mother, one of my mother's favorite hobbies were antique collectibles, and we never passed a uh, antique store no matter where we went and we took some long journeys up to Washington State mm-hmm. where they had lived before by car and up to Maine one time and back and we rarely ever passed an antique store but yeah. some of these trips took quite a while it yeah. stops yeah. you look <laughs> and we made many trips up into Colorado every summer northern New Mexico throughout New Mexico Arizona we were going fishing and just sightseeing we would always stop at antique stores or Indian jewelry and she was always on the lookout for older pawn and old jewelry and textiles, rugs and the like. Our family inherited and carried down through the family a lot of weavings that came through the during the depression and before and so those carried down through the family. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your mom was just a bastion of light for everyone. Yes. Yes, and so we, uh, the house was always decorated with these antiques. It, when you walked in, it looked like she had arranged a, almost an antique shop, but tasteful and not real cluttered. It was always neat, dusted, clean, and vacuumed. Yeah. Dishes were always put washed and put away. She could put together a meal and serve 12 people without a batting an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing the this wonderful stories about your mom. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. And we so loved her. It was hugely sad that we could not be with her at her death. It, we just couldn't comfort her and be close to her. In the end, my parents chose to be up in Farmington near my sister to spend their retirement period and in a uh, wonderful assisted living where my sister could oversee and care for them. Mm-hmm. And my sister had recently retired, so it all worked out very nicely. And I would travel up there. I was traveling a lot to Las Cruces previously, and then I would travel up to Farmington, and my sister would be there very often during the week, much more often than I could be. Yeah. And my father passed in 2016, and then mom uh, started declining and uh, unfortunately caught the COVID-19. Early on, she was the first to show symptoms in the uh, nursing home, so we could not be with her. Thank you very much for this interview, my sister Dabney Ford. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for sharing with us. We're all thinking about you and we appreciate you. And it's been 
It's been an honor of mine to speak with you and honor your mother, Ruth McKinney Ford. Thank you so much. Thank you. We feel so much gratitude to all of the guests for speaking to us today. And we'd also like to thank spokesperson Judy Gibbs Robinson with the state, as well as Elise Kaplan, Matt Risen, and Martin Salazar at the Albuquerque Journal for introducing us to them. If you lost someone during the pandemic and you couldn't have a funeral, we are ready to keep having these conversations and bring your stories about your loved ones to the airwaves. Call 505-218-7084 and share your story or email yournmgov at gmail.com. As I mentioned earlier, for anyone who's feeling alone or down or who just needs to talk to someone, check in with New Mexico's peer-to-peer warm line. People there are waiting to hear you from between 3.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. every day. They can also do text conversations with you between 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. Call 1-855-4NM-7100. That's 1-855-4NM-7100. Or if you're in crisis, we've got a state hotline for that too. And the number there is 1-855-NM-CRISIS. That's 1-855-NM-CRISIS. That one's open around the clock every day of the year. Those lines can also plug you into counseling resources or substance use recovery help. If you're a hospital worker or a first responder and you want to talk to someone, that's a phone call away too. That number is 1-855-507-5509. The state offers a whole bunch of free resources for people who are grieving through the Grief Services Program with the Office of the Medical Investigator. They offer counseling and therapy, crisis intervention, referral, group facilitation, and advocacy. Reach out there by calling 1-800-432-5239. That's 1-800-432-5239. We'll post links to all of this on the post at KUNM.org. Your New Mexico government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. Taylor Velasquez helped us out with editing today, and we want to thank her very much for that effort. Theme music is by Pope. Yes, yes, y'all. Hear us all week long on KUNM's Airwaves at 7.30 p.m. Online, find the show on KUNM.org or subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, the New Mexico Local News Fund, and KUNM listeners like you. For everyone here at Your New Mexico government, I'm Khalil Colonna. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other. I want to say rest in peace to my college friend who passed recently due to COVID-19. Rest in peace to Michael Duggins. We're all going to miss you and we love you. Thank you all for listening.